Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. I'm not even trying to lie. I like a hot take. But a hot take, no matter how entertaining or fun, is almost 100% of the time at another human being's expense. Unless it was like, you know, that raccoon climbing up the building. Then 100% hot takes. Hot takes all day. I love that raccoon. I was rooting for him. That was fun. If it involves an animal or an animal... Some sort of like non-invent, like there's no stakes. A hot take is fine. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics and Happy New Year, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about our wish list for 2019, and we're going to follow a little bit of the same structure we used for our good news of 2018. We're going to talk about our wish for politics and government, science and culture. And then to close out, we're going to share our words for 2019. If you're not a word of the year person, get on board because it's the funnest. So let's start out with politics, and everybody's getting excited for the 2020 presidential race. Excited is one word, right? Everyone is getting prepared. I was fixing to say, is excitement? Uh... Okay. We were just chatting before we started. Uh, The DNC has announced the Democrats are going to have 12 primary debates. It's so many. So many debates. I'm excited for it. I love debates. I love watching with people on Twitter. I'm, I'm here for it. 12's a lot. Because I'm a person that really enjoys, as trained by Oprah, truly authentic conversations, 12 debates, which will be sorely lacking in authentic conversations, seems a little daunting to me. I'm just saying to the DNC that if you need help moderating debates to have authentic, interesting conversation, we're around. Yeah, we're around. We're here. We'll be on Twitter, I guess. We'll be doing the live tweeting like we did a million years ago 
in 2015-16. <laughs> and the same offer is there for the RNC, which kind of gets to my first wish for politics for 2019. I wish for a sincere, credible, serious primary challenge to Donald Trump in the Republican Party. I wish for my side of the primary aisle that everyone would stop wishing for the second coming of Obama. That's what I would like. I would like us all to let go of that and stop waiting for a savior. I love President Obama. Very, very much so. But I'm really tired of that narrative. I don't think it's good for the party. I don't think it's particularly good for our electoral prospects. There is more than one way to win a presidential race. And longing for a candidate who was pre-Trump is... I just I just don't think that's the best, most productive way to move forward as this primary kicks off. I'll be honest. That's so that's my wish. I'm not wishing for a particular candidate. I'm just wishing for us to abandon this search for Obama version 2.0. Can you say more about what you mean by that? I just am tired of the. Oh, well, Beto. Beto's the closest one to Obama or no, Biden. Biden can replicate Obama's victory. And I. I just think not because I don't think Obama's great, not that I don't think Obama did things worth replicating, but I think when we're so limited and what we're looking for in a leader is a new version of the same person, we miss so much. We miss opportunities to rethink things. We miss opportunities to present to the American populace new ideas and new versions of leaders, new versions of leadership. And I think we just sit around and we wait for a savior instead of thinking maybe it's not just the candidate that screws up presidential elections, but maybe some of it is the message and maybe some of it is the strategy and maybe some of it is the field work. And let's think through all these things instead of just sitting around waiting for Obama 2.0 to come save us. I'm just not I'm not here for that. So what will you be looking for as you assess what looks to be a crowded primary field? I mean, am I being honest? Yes. A woman. I mean, that's part of it for me. Well, I think you're going to have several women options. I'm going to have a lot of women options, which I'm excited about. But I do. I want a woman. I'm just, I do. (laughs) I have wounds that need healing. No. You know what? I'm just so trepidatious because I just feel it all coming. I just feel the nastiness and the Democrat is the second coming of Satan. And it's just there's a part of me that's like even candidates I really like and who I think can hold up well against that. It's just a part of me that's really, really dreading it. I'm just I think I'm still traumatized from 2016. I think we all are. And so there's a part of me that's like I really want to be hopeful and wish for better things this time around. I wish that we find, that's what I wish. I wish we find a way through this process to heal some of the wounds and find a better path forward as a country going through a presidential election. That's a big wish. But it's possible. I mean, as we've talked to lots of the women who ran for Congress this time, we've heard so much about campaigns as acts of service and as moments to energize the community and give voice to people who don't usually have voices. And so it's possible, I think, that a good candidate, a person worthy of being the president, could scale that up. Yeah, I agree. So I I remain optimistic about that. I'll tell you on the Republican side, in addition to wishing for someone who's just a credible challenger to Donald Trump, I do wish for that person to, from the beginning, run a very different type of campaign than we have seen a Republican run for president in my lifetime. I would like to see that person draw on the deep bench of women who could help run a campaign like that. I'm saying like who can get Kristen Soltis Anderson or Anna Navarro or Sarah Rump or all three of them on their team. You know, I would like to see an embrace of diversity and someone to just say like, I am going to show you what the Republican Party could be instead of trying to fight for what it is today. And I know that is a big ask, but it's our show and I can have a big ask if I want. I agree. I agree. Okay, so what do we wish for Congress to do or government in general to do in 2019? I spoke about this in our recent conversation we had about congressional policies and congressional work product just generally. I wish for party leadership to get the heck out of the way because I'm really coming to the belief that it's not, quote unquote, Congress 
There are lots of really amazing congressmen and women on both sides of the aisle who are capable of getting together and finding compromise and putting forward legislation. It is the party leadership that stands in their way. So I really, really wish for party leadership that sees it's good for my party to rack up legislative successes. It's good for my party to put forth compromises, because I really think that the party leadership is what's standing in the way. I like that. That's my wish. I wish for governing to just be taken more seriously at all levels. Mm. We have had such a catastrophe in Kentucky this year trying to get pension reform done. And I understand that pension reform, as we've discussed on the podcast, is a very hard task. It is a necessary one. It is absolutely going to make people upset in the process. You are necessarily going to have solutions that don't feel like they're win-wins. I get it. Also, you are governing, not just trying to score a touchdown or something. And our pension reform efforts have been treated like you're just trying to score a touchdown. I wish the efforts were as friendly as sports. I think our governor treats it more like war than sports. It's been awful. They snuck pension reform into like a sanitation bill. The Supreme Court just said, hey, no, that was not the right process. That's not how you do this. And so then the governor called a special session at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. He said, I want everybody here at 8 p.m. for a special session on pension reform. Kentucky is a very, very long state. If you <laughs> so like, people couldn't even if they jumped in their car that second, they wouldn't make it in time. Some that's right. From coming from Paducah, right? You wouldn't be able to yeah. get to Frankfurt in no. four hours from Paducah. I mean, if you were already in your car and like literally the second you got the call hopped in you and sped, yeah, you maybe could make it. But that's a big ask. It's a big ask, especially from people who've lost their elections and aren't going to be in the legislature again. So this sham of a session starts from the beginning. Everyone's like, what is happening here? This is dumb. And fortunately, the legislature shut it down. But we spent, what, a couple hundred thousand dollars probably on that exercise and have nothing to show for it. And I think Congress does things like this, too. And I think Congress acts like this in getting judges confirmed. And so Mm -hmm. I just want everyone to take a breath and recognize we all have to live with the consequences of what you do. It is not scoring a touchdown. We all have to live with the consequences. So just slow down and take a breath and recognize that even if you really want your idea to win, ultimately, lots of people who don't love your idea are going to affect your idea. And so it's always worth it to go through the process correctly and try to get some consensus built. I have another wish along those lines. I wish that they would also take a breath and reevaluate our process with regards to foreign intervention and war. Mainly, I would like us to end the authorization for a war that's been in place for like, what, 17 years? And I mean, I know we can't really start with a clean slate with with regards to where we're engaged in military combat, but it's a wish list. So I wish we could. I wish we'd at least get close to that. I wish we could have just a coherent national discussion about where we're engaged. Mm-hmm. I wish the voting public better understood where we have troops and why we have them there. I think that would be a good starting place. How do you motivate a legislature to care about this issue? Syria is a great example, right? How do you motivate the legislature to care about acting on Syria in a way that is, again, going to be unpopular? It's going to be hard when a lot of people don't know where Syria is or that we have troops there or why the troops are there. You know, and it's it's just it's really difficult. We've returned to this theme a few times. We cannot support the troops without knowing where the troops are. Mm-hmm. Normally, at this point in the show, we do compliment the other side. And our wish is that this segment becomes easier to do. And I don't mean to say that in a dismissive way, but there are times when we really struggle here for a variety of reasons. And I know that this has been harder for Sarah than it's been for me over the last year. I will say, just on a positive note, that usually I find when I think all is lost, I find something happening at a state or local level that makes me excited. And I hope that continues to be true, but I also hope that we have more on a national level um, that, that makes it easier for both of us to find people to say, look at this good work that's happening. That would be amazing. I want to put that at the top of my list. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about our wishes for science and culture in 2019. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I have a big wish for the scientific community. I have had a close friend of mine die of pancreatic cancer. I have a gentleman in my church who's been struck with pancreatic cancer. I watched a dear sort of online friend, Rebecca Wolf, lose her husband to pancreatic cancer last year. I would really, really like to see some scientific progress in the treatment of pancreatic cancer. I've lost several relatives to pancreatic cancer also, and it's awful, and I I wholeheartedly agree with you. The internet says it's rare, but I don't know. I mean, I know I'm not a statistician and anecdotal evidence is not statistical evidence, but dang, it doesn't feel rare. It feels like the only type of cancer anybody I know dies from. And maybe that's the point that it's it's rare, but it's so deadly. And other we have friends. I, I know I have friends and family who have cancers that are treatable, but this one, oh, it's just so brutal. So I have a really different wish about science in 2019. I share that one. And I also just wish for a bigger picture understanding of science in 2019. Like I would like Mm. to understand how disparate pieces fit together better. Um, We just had this news a couple of weeks ago that the rings of Saturn are dissipating. I don't know if dissipating is the right verb, but that eventually the rings of Saturn will be gone. They're basically being rained away. By what? They're in space. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's, It's something about ice and I don't, I could look, I'm not a scientist. I couldn't fully follow it. But I thought it was really fascinating 
And it just made me think about climate change and about how the universe is always changing. That doesn't mean we don't act to improve those changes and and do the best we can to keep things in good shape um, and care for our earth. It doesn't change any of my sense of urgency about global warming. But I do want to have a better understanding of how more than earth is shifting and kind of what's going on in our galaxy. And I know that sounds really out there, but it's something I devote maybe an unhealthy amount of brain time too. And so I just wish for more information about all of that. I also wish that we figure out how to store renewable energy. Mm, that's, that's a good. big, that that's a big one. I feel like it's doable. Supposedly like the most amazing thing is like the best scientific researcher with regards to um, like battery and energy storage. Dude is like 75. Like he's been at this a long time and I just feel like he's got to be creeping up on a breakthrough and I'm excited about it. I I wish for more translators of scientific information because I feel like when you read good, serious science, it is really hard to get your brain around if you are not a scientist or not a scientifically inclined person. So everyone out there who's a great storyteller and a great scientific mind, come on out of the woodwork. Do your thing. I need you. Yeah. I feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson's carrying that all by himself. Yeah. And that shouldn't be. You know, there, I'm sure there are lots of talented people who can do that. I have a wish for technology, which I feel like falls under science. But honestly, it's probably government culture and science, which is I wish we would all take more seriously the impact of technology in our lives. And I don't mean I need another long read about how important technology is in our life. I need real research about the effects of these things on our brains and our children's brains. I need real policy from our government on the companies that possess all this data and that are using technology to influence our brains and our children's brains. And I need for all of us to stop blowing this stuff off because we've made decisions and we feel like, I don't know, if I start examining these technology decisions I've made, I might feel guilty or I might feel vulnerable. Yeah, that's going to happen. And I need us all to embrace that so we can have a serious conversation about these little some supercomputers we're all carrying in our pockets. That's my wish. As I was listening to you, I've been thinking about how my personal goal is just less tech in 2019, mm-hmm. just all around. Not that I want there to be less technology in the world and available, but that I want to be personally engaged with it less. Here's my hot tip. You got to delete the apps. If you need to go on Facebook or Twitter, go on your URL browser. It will cut it dramatically. Yeah. And, you know, it's not even social media because I do feel like I've been taking a big step back from that. And then I feel guilty about that because of what we do. So I'm always kind of balancing that out. But I just am so reliant. I rarely go anywhere in my car without using a GPS. Oh, really? Yeah. Just to, like, know the shortest route and how long it's going to take me to get somewhere. Mm. I just I really constantly go to my phone for something or to Alexa for something in my house. And I just want to figure out how do I reap the benefit of this? You know, I don't want to go backward in any way. And there's some great things about it. But how do I do that without feeling subservient to it, which is where I'm getting? I want to go backwards. I mean, I want to go back to like 1995. I'm not even trying to lie. I would really there's I watch movies where there's no cell phones and I have such a deep sense of longing. I can barely contain it. I had a really powerful moment when you and I were together in Houston. I came down to meet you for breakfast and I left my phone, I think accidentally in the room and you weren't there. I You had gone out for an errand and I expected you to be there and you were not there. And I did not have my phone. And I was like, oh, well, do I really need to go up to the room to get my phone to see where you are? This is what it used to be like. We just had to wait it out and be like not in the know about every single thing and every single person. And I just waited it out. You showed up. We had breakfast. Everything was okay. And it felt, it felt like I was using a part of my brain that had been turned off. It was a very powerful experience. Forgetting my phone in a hotel room when I'm meeting a person should not be such an impactful psychological experience, but dang, it was. And so I've been trying to just leave my phone, just leave it in the other room, leave it at home. I just, I'm trying to have more of those experiences and remember what it was like when every question I had, 
every concern my brain raised wasn't immediately answered by this little supercomputer in my pocket. You know why I wasn't there? I had to go out to get a charger for my phone because I had left without a charger. Oh, I forgot about that. The irony. And it was unimaginable to be gone four or five days without charging my phone, right? And I don't want to be that way. I feel like a slave to this thing. I'm grateful for it and all the good it does and all the good done by the technology that gave us this phone, right? If we want cancer to be cured, we've got to embrace all of it, right? Mm -hmm. But I do want to take more control over my use of it because I feel like I'm wasting my life staring at this screen. I also, and I would like to hear from our listeners on this, this is more a personal wish since we've gone off on this track. I really want to, I don't know if it's realistic to quit either Facebook or Amazon, but I would like to dramatically reduce their role in my life because I am ethically opposed to their practices, their corporate practices. And it's like, I just feel like the more news that comes out, particularly about Facebook, my brain is like, what else do you need to know? Like, what are you waiting for with regards to this? And it's just so hard because they do bring a lot of value to my life, both inconvenience and sort of community engagement and emotional support. But I need, I really, really want to pump the brakes. So if any of y'all out there have successfully pumped the brakes with these two companies, share that insight. This is less applicable to Amazon, I think. But when I think about leaving Facebook, which I think about from time to time, and then I'm like, oh, really, Beth, you can leave Instagram, too, since they own Instagram. You know, it's really hard. Whenever I think about it, I feel so much sympathy for smokers because I really understand, like, I know this is bad for me. I know this is bad for the world. Yeah. Also, I get something from it that is important and hard for me to let go of. So true. So true. It's also how I feel about chocolate chip cookies. No, chocolate chip cookies are in the clear. There's nothing wrong with a chocolate chip cookie. I mean, they're not good for you. They're good for the world, though. There's some comfort and love in a chocolate chip cookie. I'm I'm not with you that. on this. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about culture then, because we had that good segue into culture. And I know we talked about the good news of film representing more women and more diverse perspectives in general. I'm sure we both wish for that to continue. What else is on your cultural radar, Sarah? Well, it's still in the same vein of gender dynamics when how they play out in culture. I would like for us to just forever and forever go ahead and abandon the idea, concept, genre, words, chiclet. Let it go, everybody. It's stupid. 70% of the people who read fiction are women. So I don't even know what that means. It's oppressive. It reinforces stereotypes. We all know why it's bad, so I'd like us to just move on as a culture. I'm a big reader. I like to read. I think about reading a lot. I read all kinds of different books. I'm a woman, and I want us to just move on from chiclet. Jennifer Weiner could write some really good things and more books if she didn't have to spend half her time raving and rallying the troops against chiclet. So let's just all move on. I endorse that, and it's related to something that's on my wish list, and I know that this is a big, hard one. I am ready to rethink how we support women in our workplaces through groups and events that are only for women. Okay, okay. You mean like event, like Women in the Workforce Symposium or something like that? Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Yes, and, you know, the women's groups at every business across the land oh yeah 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 like like paducah professional business women those yeah yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm ready to rethink this because i'm not ready to rethink kind of the mission of some of these groups they have the right missions and a lot of good gets done and a lot of people get a lot of opportunities that they would not get otherwise and if we're doing that just in this insular sphere then all we're changing is like individual lives one at a time. Mm -hmm. So I want to figure out how to bring men into those spaces because the best thing that could happen in a community is to have a symposium that's all women speakers with an audience full of men listening, right? 
and having right. a moment to see what women are capable of and for men to be in groups that are led by a slate of women officers. Some of the same things that get to happen within women's groups, I just feel like men need exposure to those things. I don't think anything's wrong about what's happening. I just think if we want to evolve it to the next level, we need to, one, have a demand from men to be in those spaces and not in a demanding way, like in a, I'm excited about this, please can I way, right? And and two, for women to say, yes, you can, and here are the boundaries around that, because there is value in the way that we've set this up. And you're going to see things that you've never seen before because of the way that we've set this up. And I feel like that is kind of the next step in the Me Too process. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I just feel like, you know, Related to my what I just said about chicken, I'm just tired of being treated like a niche. I don't want to be treated like a niche anymore. I'm not a niche. I'm half the damn population. And I just feel like <sighs> this is hard. So everybody just be cool and give some grace as I say this out loud. I think we're at the point with regards to feminism, women's rights, women empower, whatever you want to call it, empowerment, that we have to move past the, like you said, sort of the the group consciousness raising dynamic where we're just with each other, empowering each other, especially in in sort of a private insular way. Like, it's not that I don't think there's still a role for the Women's March, or I don't think there it's important for places like online gathering places for women. I just think we all have to be committed to pushing what we learn or what we begin to understand out into the public sphere in conversations with men. I mean, I just think at this point, we're not where women were in the 1900s, where their financial are, and I'm speaking in broad strokes here, where their financial futures are at risk, where they, you know, they could be arrested for wearing pants or where it's just I just feel like culturally we're ready for that. Culturally, we're ready to, like you said, invite men to the table in real ways and start sharing. I think we're already starting that. And I just hope we continue that work. I hope we continue to not just talk to each other, not just, you know, or at least not stop at that point where we've spoken with each other. We've shared our stories. We feel less alone. And then we think, Okay, now what do we do? Now do we now what do we do with this? It's like it's like exactly like you said, it's like with the Me Too moment. We've done this, we've shared it. We're all understanding we're not alone, that this is not our individual struggles, but a cultural problem. We have to talk about this with men. We have to invite men to these conversations and to join us in finding solutions because it's not a niche. Everybody has to be part of the solution because this is a problem that doesn't just affect women. It affects everybody. The patriarchy is not just damaging to anybody with a vagina. It's damaging much larger than that. And I think we have to sort of get that. And to get that, like you said, we have to extend that conversation past women-only spaces. Totally agree. And I agree with you about an invitation to men to the table, but to our table. Because I think the fear, the reason that women hold on to these spaces, is that men will come in and take over. Because that's your experience everywhere else, right? If it's not a women's only thing, your experience is that men run it for the most Mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. And there's been so much value. That's why I'm ready to rethink, not dissolve these things, because there's so much value in what women have created kind of on the side. But we're stuck, I think, in a rut of women creating these powerful things on the side and then leaving those women-only spheres and going back into their workplaces and, and organizations and it being like, wah, wah, more of the guys mm-hmm. running things. Yep. And, and still being stuck. And some women, I think, almost feel like they live two lives, right? Where they're this celebrated, um, incredible leader in one aspect of life and where they get crapped on all the time in another. And... Until we find a way to bring those things together, I think what I'm saying is women have created power in these women-only spaces. Now, invite men into a place where women have the power. Because I think if there are experiences for men of coming into organizations run entirely by women, the experience of women in spaces run entirely by men are going to be a lot more understandable. And maybe we can start speaking each other's language. 
Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Okay, another cultural wish that I have that I think would help very much in our political sphere as well. I wish for less judgment. I wish for fewer leggings are not pants articles mm. and fewer. Just hot takes. Less hot takes. Yes. The world needs less, world yes. needs less hot takes. That is the, that is the, I'm moving that one to the top of our list. Less 100. hot takes. Less hot takes. In fact, let's all commit to stop using the 100 emoji because that is, in fact, a hot take. I'm with you on this. I think fewer hot takes is an excellent goal because we're just, we need to be more thoughtful, right? And I think if we are more thoughtful in general, then we're going to be less judgmental. I'm not even trying to lie. I like a hot take. But a hot take, no matter how entertaining or fun, is almost 100% of the time at another human being's expense, unless it was like, you know, that raccoon climbing up the building. Then 100% hot takes. Hot takes all day. I love that raccoon. I was rooting for him. That was fun. If it involves an animal or an animal, <laughs> some sort of like non-invent, like there's no stakes, I, a hot take is fine. But if it's a hot take, even on a celebrity, like that's a human being. And we're training ourselves to consume each other as entertainment and not 
to engage one another with like sort of connection in mind. That's why hot takes are damaging in my hot opinion. I'm a hot take on hot takes. Thank you. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, everybody. This is really what I've been struggling with on Twitter lately because everything I start to tweet, I'm like, no, Beth, that does not contribute positively to the world. I'm not sure. Is it Kate? Are you is Twitter a platform in which one can positively contribute to the world? Discuss. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm unconvinced. I hope that my threaded gifts to explain news contribute positively to the world on Twitter. I try very hard with those. I guess they're still a little bit snarky, though, and I don't want to be that. But other than that, I don't know. I really I really have a difficult time. I cannot tell you the number of tweets I start and delete in a week. Because I just keep stopping myself going, like, no, world doesn't need that. It's so hard, though. It's such a psychological drive. Like, even this week, as I'm, like, officially not a commissioner anymore, I have all kinds of hot takes. And it feels freeing because I'm not engaged in the process anymore. So I can mouth off as much as I want. And it feels good. I'm not even trying to lie. But I'm like, man, this is why this is so detrimental is because it feels good to mouth off and be mad or be funny or be snarky. And that's like, it's almost like you're tricking yourself that you're engaging. But now that I've been on the other side of it, I can tell you, you're not engaging. And I know what it feels like to be engaged in something that everybody's given hot takes on. It's not fun. It's not fun because you feel all this pressure to fix it or explain or argue or move the conversation forward in a real and meaningful way. And I and meanwhile, everybody else gets to just have the hot take and feel like they've done something productive. But I again, I get it. I get it. I've been there. I'm in the moment right now where I'm like, ooh, I got some hot takes and now I'm free to give them. This is just true everywhere. Everybody knows how to run the church better than the pastor. Everybody knows how to run the classroom better than the teacher. Everybody knows how to run the office better than the office manager. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're terrible about this. It's the attribution error, right? It's like social media has taken our attribution error that if somebody else makes a mistake, it's because they're a fool. If I make a mistake, I have an excuse. And it's like when you have Twitter or social media fueling that already not great psychological impulse. Maybe that's the cultural wish for 2019, that we can think about our thinking more. Because I feel like once I understand what my brain is doing, I have a much better shot at improving my behavior. Yeah, but here's the sucky part. There is a substantial part of the human population who does not want to hear that, does not, I'm not sure, believes that. I just think there are a lot of people out there who who believe in individualism, beginning and ending with yourself and your quote-unquote choices, and don't want to hear about how our quote-unquote choices are influenced by psychology and cultural pressures and media messages. They just, they refuse to view the world that way. Yeah, and our work is to be truth tellers about that stuff and keep saying, Woo! I mean, a lot of people don't ever want to hear a compliment for the other side, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people right now only want to hear that Republicans are evil or Democrats are evil. That's why we're yep. in the mess that we're in. That's why Sean Hannity is rich. We cannot fix any of that nonsense until we do what we're talking about right now. You cannot Mm -hmm. fix the political without working on your own brain. I posted in our book launch team's Facebook page about how, can I just tell you, I'm really struggling with my shampoo right now because I got this shampoo that the conditioner is maroon and the shampoo is light pink. And it's confusing me because in my mind, the conditioner should be light pink and the shampoo should be maroon, obviously. The darker color, obviously, should be the shampoo. Every day, every single day, I pick up the wrong bottle. Even when I stop and think, Beth, every day you pick up the wrong bottle, let's get it right today. I still reach for the wrong bottle. And I do it twice most days, right? I I make the mistake. No, this one's the shampoo. And then when it's time to condition, I pick up the wrong bottle again. Like I cannot get my brain out of the ditch on this. But it's been like a really helpful illustration to me of how big of an ask it is to change up your patterns, especially your patterns that are just thoughts. Because you just have a big monkey brain and a teeny tiny people brain. But most of your brain, just like a monkey's. To like deliberately work at it every single day. And that's what I think I've been trying to do with Twitter and why I'm a little bit stuck right now because I'm in that transition from monkey brain to person brain, I guess, to use your metaphor, Sarah. And so I start and then I stop and then I feel like, okay, what now? 
But I would rather be in that space than stuck in the rut. Yeah. Not even be aware you're doing it to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I think it's it's very paradoxical because I don't want to be there, but it is torturous to like start to recognize these patterns in yourself and still feel powerless in the face of them. It's really hard. That's why people don't like it. It feels it feels vulnerable and hard. And it's such a long road. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, now I now I get it. Now I get it. No, I get it. And I still am going to fall prey to this over and over and over again. But then, you know, then you think about like we have these babies and they learn to walk. It's amazing what we're capable of. So can we just not limit our growth and decide that like after 25, we've got it? Well, that's a good one. Let's let's not limit our growth in 2019 in all the areas. I like that. So lastly, we follow the Allie Edwards endorsed practice of setting a word for each year. And it's a wonderful practice. And this year we both independently came to the same conclusion about the word for the year. So I think, Sarah, we should talk about what this word means for each of us personally and then what it means for the podcast. Do you feel good about that? Sure. So I settled on discernment after reading my Ennea thought. We're big Enneagram people here on Pantsu Politics. I'm an Enneagram one, so I get the Enneagram, Enneo thought emails daily for my particular number, which is one, which likes things black and white, which likes to judge things, likes, likes the hot takes. So I got an email and I immediately sent it to Beth. And I was like, this is amazing. It says, what ones are actually seeking is not judgment, but the quality of discernment. Discernment is noticing things have different qualities. Discernment requires you to be a witness, not a judge. Presence alone will allow judgment to transform into discernment. And I love that. I love the idea that the goal is to be a witness to a judge, to figure out how things are different, to understand that on a deep level, to be able to hold the tension and not have to ascribe value to everything. And so that is why discernment is my word for 2019. And I came to the word discernment because my pastor, Dr. Susan Ward-Diamond, did a wonderful sermon series about discernment this year. And week after week, I listened to her discuss really the decision-making process through a spiritual lens. And it made me realize that for a very long time, for the vast majority of my life, my decision-making process has been much more reactive than that. Mm. And that... I fixate it, too, on the Enneagram, which means that a lot of my decisions are driven by what makes the people around me happy and comfortable. Instead of where can I contribute most to the world? What am I here to do? And then I also have like success metrics in my mind always. And discernment as a concept has helped me realize that Really, if I'm doing what I'm here to do, the success metrics are never going to be about me. Mm. And so I think it's related to what you said, Sarah. It's more understanding how I fit into a larger landscape, which means I'm not here to earn any one person's approval and I'm not here to prove my worth to any one person on, on the other side of that. It is instead just to kind of take my place in the flow of grace, as one of my poems says, so one of my favorite poems says. So that's why discernment for me on a personal level this year. So when we both picked the same word, it seemed kismet that it should be the word for the podcast. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and I think that's going to be a challenge for 2019 because... We have this book coming out. We are going into a presidential cycle, Mm. which will impact what we do, unquestionably. We don't know exactly how. I always tell people about the book that I feel like we're in the third trimester of a pregnancy. One, I'm ready to have the baby. And two, I know that my life will be different after the baby, but I don't know exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about the book. And so when I think about discernment with the podcast, you know, it really does mean to me again, like taking our time and patiently channeling our energy into what feels like the right work for us instead of just kind of chasing opportunities. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the book will focus our decision-making, hopefully, into discernment in a way that's very much needed in the pantsuit politics community. Because when something starts as a 
hobby or an experiment <laughs> and then transforms itself into a business, then, but a business you still want to be community driven and values driven, there's this constant dance of letting things happen. And I'm, I'm hoping we have discernment and the book will focus our vision and clarify sort of our use of time and energy to bring bigger, better things to, to the business and community. I think that's right. I think we are finding our way through what a lot of small businesses find their way through, which is I want to be mission oriented. There also has to be money to be able to keep doing this to be mission oriented. Mm -hmm. And so how do I make sure that I'm only seeking opportunities for money that align with the mission? Right. And that's hard. And uh, it takes a lot of patience and a lot of um, just faith and risk tolerance. <laughs> um but I feel really good about the work that we do. I feel really proud of what we've built here with all of you. And I just want to make sure that I still feel that way a year from now. Well, we want to hear from you, all of you, what your wishes are from 2019. And if you have words of the year, we'd love to hear from you on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, even on Twitter, <laughs> or email us. And we just wish everyone such a happy 2019. We got a lot of challenges coming our way politically, but we will continue to tackle them here at Pansy Politics with nuance and complexity. And we hope that you will continue to join us. So happy new year. Let's make 2019 an awesome one. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsu Politics every week. And thanks for making us sound better and smarter, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our production assistant, which means we could not live without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you so much, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsu Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash Politics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help make the show better. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Learn more about our live events that we're involved in and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at PantsuPoliticsShow.com. And connect with us and members of the Pantsu Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.